What's up, everybody? I'm in Santa Cruz, California, drinking a strong cup of coffee, and on it has the words, kick today in the dick. It's my favorite coffee mug. It's all about those subconscious messages, you know? Drinking the coffee, look down at that mug, and you think, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to kick today in the dick. I talked quite a bit with my upcoming guest about visualization, about psychology. Here's a quick clip from the conversation. Yeah, so if I was going to an event in Tahiti, I'd picture myself in the lineup and then seeing the wave coming and then surfing the wave and feeling all that emotion as if you you won or you're feeling that um feeling the the way that the wave contours or you know dragging your leg or you know just feeling those things and it was amazing like to to just feel the body switch on and um you know i used tahiti because there was there were times where it felt like i could almost slow down time in the barrel You know what I really like about Mick Fanning? He texted me multiple times throughout the day before we sat down for this podcast to let me know that he was running late. He was on his way back from Slater's wave pool, and I kept getting texts from him throughout the day. Hey, mate, I'm running about 45 minutes late. Hey, mate, I'm about 10 minutes out. Really sorry. You don't need to do that when you're Mick Fanning. People will wait on you. But it speaks volumes about the kind of person that he is, that he would take the time to do that. Thank you to Core Surf for supporting this episode of the podcast. A few weeks ago, I got an email from a listener named Andy, and he said, Hey, I have a company called Core Surf. We make these really beautiful bamboo surf racks, and I'd love to send you some. And my surfboard quiver has always looked like a fucking rat's nest. And he sent me these beautiful racks, and now my my board quiver's organized. So thank you for sending that along to me, Andy. It has changed my life. And um, they're going to sponsor a few episodes of the podcast, and I'm really happy to be able to tell you all about them, because not only do they make uh, surfboard racks, they make uh, towel ponchos, you know, the kind that make you feel like a UFC fighter. And I've been wearing mine, and it's made out of this really nice camping uh, towel material, the really lightweight stuff. For my entire life, I've always forgotten my towels. And I'll just use the, you know, the t-shirt method where you get naked, but you still have a t-shirt on, and you pull your wetsuit up, and you think no one can see you, but really when you when you bend over, everyone sees your balls. I don't need to do that anymore. It's keeping me off of Megan's Law. It's amazing. So head over to coresurf.com. That's C-O-R surf.com. And you'll get 30% off anything and everything that they make. Christmas is coming up. So it's a great way to get gifts for friends and family or just get some nice stuff for yourself. By typing in the code name Kyle30, all lowercase, you'll get 30% off everything that Coresurf makes. If you want to get in touch with me, if you have feedback on the show, recommendations for new guests, if you just want to say hi, 
head over to my website, kyle.surf. Not kyle.surf.com, just kyle.surf. And if there's anything directly related to this episode of the podcast, go to the podcast page, go to mix uh, page that I created, and you can write comments. So if there's anything that I said and you're like, dude, that was bullshit, I'm going to debunk you right now, go there. Because also, there's a lot of you listening now, and so far, everyone who's contacted me who listens to this show has been super cool, and I want to create a place where you can meet each other. So go to the website, kyle.surf, click the podcast page, and you guys can write your comments and have at it. All right, here is Mick and me talking at my friend Corey Wilson's house down in Newport, California. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, you so you were just at the wave pool. Yeah, so we, we just WSL put on a, an event at the wave pool and um, yeah, invite us all up to we had a practice day and then yesterday we had the the event where um, there was eight girls and ten guys. And um, I think I think there was ten guys. Um, and yeah, we all got to catch a left and a right. Um, it was round one, and then round two, you got the same again, and you had to count a left and a right in your in your scoreline. So do you only get two waves? You you get four waves, and the top two count. And the top two count. Yeah, but it has to be a left and a right. So how would you describe it? The wave itself, um, it reminds me of the right. Reminds me of Green Mount. Um, you know the the way that you can do the turns and then the tube section, like looking out, looks very similar to Green Mount. It's crazy. And then the left sort of reminds me of macaroni's a bit. Hmm. Yeah. How, how so? Just kind of tight. Just the way that it, it bottoms out and then the tube section, and then. Um, and then, yeah, the coping on the lip on the left is is really similar. Like if if it was, um, yeah, if you get if you get the right rhythm, you can just go nonstop the whole way. But and then the tube section is really fun too. Do you think that it'll be interesting for people to watch that perfect of a wave? Yeah, it's the reason why. Like uh, every wave is different. Um, because you have these eddies that come out, like when they when the water dissipates, like the eddies come out, and there's like different little sort of sections, and then the wind affects every different wave, and then right. yeah, okay. and then the, it's actually like there's little sort of like high tide and low tide, um, just the way that the water moves around the pool, like Whoa. the bathtub effect. So it, it's yeah, it's really really cool. Like you think someone's just going to go out there and and crush it, but you know, you, you get too deep, people get stuck in like 
in the tube or you know so it you've got to think a lot about it it's it's pretty awesome i would imagine yeah there's a lot of strategy that goes to goes into play on yeah, even for, a perfect wave yeah it's it's crazy like everyone everyone had a different sort of um approach to it which was really really cool mm-hmm. um how long have you known Corey for Corey wilson um oh, probably I because I grew up with him. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, so I met Corey. Oh, I want to say around 2012, 2013. Um, he was um, he was living with Wilco, and then the, he came and stayed in our house in Hawaii at the Ripco house, and um, yeah, just became friends there. And I was always just just watching his. Um, watching his work and just seeing the way that he uh just his eye for what he wanted was really really cool um you know just just a total different unique approach to um it's a very clean look yeah like there's something very crisp and clean and vibrant yes yeah but then he goes through moody phases where he starts getting all dark and um i'm so stoked for him man because we grew up uh together and we're friends since junior high and high school and in his early days in photography my friend uh kyle boothman who's a good surfer from santa cruz as well was kind of like pushing him to get into like dude no come shoot us and we would pull into close out barrels and try and stand tall and Corey was always psyched from day one but it was always apparent from day one too that he was very gifted yeah boy yeah and then and i think you see that um like you can put two guys on the beach in the exact same spot and just his timing's different but then um he he really knows what he's um what he's after which is really cool like um you know some people just will feel like they just shoot to get the the action but yeah he he really wants to put his own unique spin on it and also um i feel like he really uh how do you explain it um he wants to he wants to show people what he's seeing huh yeah um, what's, like what's an example of that um like I, I i know photographers um and they keep everything really really close to their chest and then once once it's uh finally done then they'll show you or if it comes out in a magazine or something like that, um, where Corey's just open, like as soon as he'll, he'll, you know, you do the shoot, shoot or whatever, and he'll sit down and you can watch him edit and right, yeah, and just see it all just come to fruition. It's um, it's really cool. I I, I really like that. Yeah, he's he's like a a Labrador. It's just like positive energy, and <laughs> I think my friend Taylor Paul once described me. He was like writing an article. He's like he's like a Labrador. He just smiles, happy to see you, yeah. humps everything that moves. <laughs> I throw him under that bus. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no. I actually from day one, like Corey was very uh, shy. Yeah, right. But girls always loved him. Yeah, right. So he was like this beacon where like all the women would go to him <laughs> and then he would deflect them onto us. So Pretty if we funny. stood close enough to Corey, <laughs> then maybe we would get laid. <laughs> no, he's Pretty great funny. though, man. I'm um, I'm very happy to see that he stayed with surf photography mm. and that he's 
progressed so so well within this medium because I think that a lot of people um, become crotchety in the surf mm. world and they move on to other mediums uh, where they can make more money. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, I think now he's you know he's still doing amazing stuff in in surf photography, but now he's like enjoying the fashion side of it and then um just recently we did a uh we did a car shoot for mercedes in germany and it was in this like the studio was like worth a couple of million bucks or whatever you know and just just to see him work in that way too it was it was really awesome right yeah i mean he's done a good job also surrounding himself with um with good people to shoot like yourself and um another santa cruz guy luke rockhold mm-hmm. who i know you know him as yep, well i know right? luke yeah yeah, um, yeah. Look, I, I think it's just um, you know, you just I don't know. I, I reckon good people just attract good things, right? You know? So yeah, I think I think you know, I don't want to. I think that everything that he's got, he's created, right? You know, I agree. Yeah. How do you manage people in your life? Me. Like this is this is kind of like a weird question, but like being you, I'm guessing that everyone kind of like wants to be around you, and I'm guessing that that's also kind of like a like is, um, is that weird? Like how do sometimes. you sometimes? Like <laughs> sometimes how do you, how do you deal with, with that? Um, no, look, I, I think you know, growing up, we my mum would always try and get us in a house by the beach. And all the kids in the community would come and hang at our house. So I always grew up with having a lot of people around. It's probably been the last sort of, um, probably the last sort of couple of years I've had a lot more people around where before I was, I was very, very private and um, very, uh, I don't know, hermitish in a way. Like I would just... Because I was so focused just on my job that I wouldn't, you know, everything was really calculated. And, um, yeah, so I probably had less people around there for a while. Um, and I always sort of traveled by myself or just with one other person. Um, but now I, I feel like I sort of let down a lot of barriers. And um, so, yeah, look, I I probably feed off other people um, like having good energy around you, yeah, I'm sure, is yeah. really, really important yeah, to definitely. need to show up on that day, but not also not get drained by people who constantly want your time. Yeah, and I like don't try, know people I, trying to get you on podcasts and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I I can feel. I, don't know, I sort of have this feeling if I if I know that people are trying to take too much or um, if they're trying to get something different. I, I don't know. I just. It's something that I've, I like, sort of feel like I, I've had from a, a very young age. Right, you know? kind of like developed a good gauge yeah. on people. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Um, I could see that being difficult, though. I could see it being like a constant kind of gauge on like, okay, how close am I going to let you in mm. to this world? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm pretty open to, though, like... Um, you know, I, I feel I try and I try and be honest with everyone. Um, there was always a thing growing up. My parents would always say, "You've got to be honest." You know, so um, yeah, I always try and just 
be as open as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and then I've still got to trust my intuition as if, okay, how much is enough or sure. you know, do I give this person more or... Yeah. So. Did your mom teach you that? Um, yeah. The honesty thing? Yeah. It's and a lot my, easier and to my lie. Dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> my mom and my, my dad... I've always been very honest and same with my brothers yeah. and my sister. Um, we, you know, you always know where you stand in our family, you know. Um, we always really, uh, I guess, we never held anything back. <laughs> so it was, um, I think that that really worked really well with us all and uh, we... We all sort of, uh, yeah, I think we all sort of learnt from each other in, the, in that aspect as well. Right. Well, can you think of a specific time that your dad told you something or like a moment that it really stuck? I find that f- like, mm. it's fine if not, but I yeah, find that no. those kinds of lessons tend to hit home in a visceral way when there is an experience. Like... Like I can remember, like the first time I lied. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah, as a little right. kid, where, where the, that switch goes off yeah, in my yeah, mind, yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking, wait, I could actually just not tell the truth about something I did right yeah, now. Yeah, right. It's it's very specific. I remember I was five years old, and I was shooting a slingshot with my friend Nolan over cars in right. Santa Cruz. And for some stupid reason, we were seeing how close above the cars we could shoot rocks <laughs> off into this eucalyptus forest. Yeah. And I got a little too low and all of a sudden I heard (laughs) shattered. And then afterwards we ran into the backyard and we told each other, we can't tell anyone. And we went to a soccer, uh, soccer practice after that. And my dad was walking us home and he said, do you know anything about that smashed window? And I got beat red. I said, said, no, (laughs) no. And I was, I was so obvious. I was so obvious because I was a a five-year-old or something. And, uh, then I remember he sat me down and he told me the lesson of how you can't lie. Yeah, yeah, classic. I mean, I still get juice (laughs) confidence bumps when I think about that. Yeah, yeah. No, there was never a a moment or ever. It was just, um, we always just had this unconditional love that we felt from our parents. Um, yeah you know um you know my mom just looks at all her kids and grandkids um as they cannot do a thing wrong even if we are being bad no they're perfect don't worry right you know so um yeah so we we never really never really had to lie or whatever um I fi- yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I find that a lot of the people who um, do lie to their parents are ones that got, they would get punished really badly mm-hmm. in high school if they told the truth. Yeah. So then in their minds, they're thinking, wait, why would I ever tell the truth? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah. It seems like you have a good relationship with your mom. Yeah, I do. I have a really good relationship. You know, we... we I think we... Because I was the youngest to, um, I was the last one in the house. Um, and so even though it's much scuttled my older brothers kept going back and forth, but, you know, 
there was a lot of times where it was just be me and her and um and then yeah we, we we've experienced a lot together um which you know really i think experiences show you learn a lot more about a person if you go and yeah experience a you know a traumatic event oh, or go, even just yeah like, like a game drive or right you know a what like a if you go to a wildlife park or a something game drive. Like, yeah yeah you australians with your slang <laughs> south african <laughs> south african um, uh but yeah look it, it's it just and just to see like um how different people react you know yeah um one time i, I remember we were we we're on a plane and um we did a a flight over over Hawaii and we're coming in we're just at the big island you know we're just flying over um the lava flow and and that and you know planes going great then all of a sudden we just hit I know we just fell out of the sky and watching the, the pilot start messing around then all of a sudden after a second that the plane kicked back in and we're just like wow my mum went deathly white i went deathly white too and and you know nothing was wrong they looped us around and then we landed and um my mum was like you know we're not getting back on that plane and i'm like mum we either get back on this plane or we get back on another plane your choice you know we've got to get back there somehow and she was just petrified and and I, I remember what 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 I do if if I feel uncomfortable with something in in those situations, I'll just put myself to sleep. I'll just, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like I fall asleep. And um, so yeah, it was. Uh, Wait, while you're in the situation, you put yourself to sleep? Or like if I have to get on a plane or whatever, and I'm not feeling comfortable, I'll I'll go to sleep. <laughs> like I can sleep anywhere. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just to see her react and then, and then later once she, you know, she's freaking out, white knuckled all the way back from the big island back to Oahu and, and she looks over at me and I'm dead asleep. She goes, thanks very much for helping me. (laughs) Well, there's something about not being able to do anything about the situation, Yeah. right? When you can take action to shift this the external situation yeah, exactly. then you should act yeah. but if you're on a plane and you're gonna crash yeah you're gonna crash you're you're a passenger yeah you're not gonna pull no. step to the side pilot yeah, exactly my turn yeah exactly highway to the danger zone wouldn't know what we're doing <laughs> so yeah but it's 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 crazy yeah when you uh, i feel like if i can't control something then i just have to be a passenger so, right yeah um I heard a quote recently, um, just the other day I was listening to a podcast and I knew that we were going to, um, do this podcast and it made me think of you. The, the person said, um, the age you become famous is the age you stay at. And I don't think that that's true for you. I think that you like, cause I've watched your interviews over the years and I've seen you self-actualize as a person. And, but I do think that that is true for a lot of people, but when they become so intensely under the public eye, it's difficult for them to self-actualize further. Yeah. Look, I, I I always, um, I never look at myself as famous. 
Like I just look at myself as another bear bum in the shower, you know, like, um, and you know, you see famous people hang out with other famous people and, you know, I still have my mates I went to school with, um, you know, and I, and I don't, um, I don't expect any special treatment from them or, you know, and I hate it if they treat me differently to the other, other mates we have. So, um, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the way that we, where you grew up and and the family having brothers. Yeah. They'll definitely. And as you said, the honesty, people knocking you back down. If you start to think you're too cool for school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and being the youngest of, uh, of five kids, got beat down <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so you said that you have a psychologist. Um, Is that your, just a friend of yours who, who does that podcast? Yeah. Um, it was just, uh, I got introduced to, um, a guy, um, Mike Gervais. And I was, I'd never really done much in that area. Um, and yeah, I got introduced to him and, um, you know, he he actually helped me out a lot um, in my when we when we saw each other on a regular basis and still still stay in contact today. We don't we don't really do sessions anymore. We just sort of just catch up now and um, but yeah, he was just he he changed a lot of ways that I I look at it. Uh, I look at life and I look at my job and I look at uh, you know how to be how to be better do tell um probably like if, for if it's if it's too personal no, also like I, don't, I don't mean to push a, you on it like the probably like at first it was all professional side of things you know and um he you know i, I was in a year where i felt like i was surfing better than ever but i wasn't getting results and I couldn't figure out why, and um, and we sat down, and he, and he just he just helped me re- remind me of stuff that I'd done in the past, of visualization, and and that year was was two thousand and nine, and um, you know, Parko had won the first, I think it was three out of the first five events, um, and he was on a tearaway like. And, um, you know, unfortunately he hurt his ankle that, that year and, and, you know, I was even trying to help coach Joel through that and like, okay, all you need to do is this or this. And, and, and then in the back half of the year, I ended up going on to win. Like after I first met Mike, I, I went on and won trestles and then straight on to France, won France um didn't do that great in mandaka but then when won portugal so it was like it was like the best run i'd went on so um i always just kept going back and and just really wanted to learn more um about how the the brain works in that side of th- in that situation then also um also learn about myself in in different situations of um of st- stress and um you know pressure and um as he says it um it's it's about mastering you know he's uh you know whatever field or whatever way you look at life it's about 
becoming a master. And so, you know, I always feel it's it's just a different way of um, a different way of looking at your looking at the way you do things to not only in professional but personal life as well. So take me into a before and after situation, a high intensity, high pressure situation, and how your mind responds in one way. Yeah, and, and how he helped you respond in a different yeah, way. Yeah, so, um, you know, say, say you're at the, end of a, at the end of a heat and you need a score and you know that wave's coming and, you know, that, that wave, you need that wave to go on and win a world title or something, you know. Being present um, and calm but also confident and centered in yourself that you don't think about everything else that's going on. You just, you're there with yourself and, um, and treating that last, if it's last 10 seconds, five seconds, treating that moment of time as if it was just any other time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's about being centered and, and, um, being aware of the emotions and being aware of what, what thought process you you going through okay so that's easier said than done to get to get yourself in the last 10 seconds of a heat and you need a nine to think "Eh, this is just like any other wave would he walk you through visualization uh uh visual visualization techniques before um a high intensity situation so that you could get yourself to um not not stress yourself out yeah so he his thing is you can go and do, you know, a thousand different waves. Um, you know, you can go to the gym, you know, pump lots of, of muscles, but, oh, geez. Um, and, but if your brain's not working, you know, all that, all the other stuff can't work. So, um, and, and being able to be, I guess, clear in the, in what, you want to do and I guess um, and also putting yourself in that situation the brain doesn't know when you're when you're visualizing um, that it's not real so all your muscles turn on or you you know your, your heart rate goes up or you um, you know you can get really pumped up right so when people think about sport, you feel like you're going up to, um, you know, your, your heart's racing and all that sort of stuff. It's about bringing everything else down so you don't, um, I know, it's like revving an engine too much. Right. Where most of the time if you just ease your foot on, you'll get there better, you know, so. But it, it, it's hard, you know, your body's got to be on, you've got to be switched on, but your, your mind's got to be calm. Sure. It, it, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's sort of hard to explain. It's, um, it, it is, but it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, I would, I would work on breathing and, and visualization um, every night. What would one of those visualizations look like? Um, a lot of it would just be, be calm or you know if, say if i was going to a event in tahiti then it would doesn't matter 
I'd like to, you know, sometimes I'll do it after a workout and just see if I can, even though I'm sweaty and I'm buggered or whatever, it's about bringing that calmness down. And, um, yeah, so if I was going to an event in Tahiti, I'd picture myself in the lineup and then seeing the wave coming and then surfing the wave and feeling all that emotion as if you you won or you're feeling that um feeling the the way that the wave contours or you know dragging your leg or you know just feeling those things and it was amazing like to to just feel the body switch on and um you know i use tahiti because there was there were times where it felt like i could almost slow down time in the barrel and I could see everything that was moving and adjust and and then I looked back at the footage I was like where did I do that where did I do that you know and it was it was it was really really cool to to have that feeling and um wow because your body had done it before in your mind yeah like I'd done it for for months on end you know leading up to that event um so yeah it just in a, probably another way to describe it a little easier is it was just preparation. Right. And that was the, that was through a lot of my career, the reason I, I won or the reason why I, you know, performed, I would say consistent um, because I was prepared. Right. Yeah. And would you ever picture yourself fall or picture yourself lose? Because I could imagine that given the amount of energy that you put into your craft, having your identity get wrapped up in winning and losing would be very easy to do. Yeah, for sure. And how do you maintain an okayness with losing while really wanting to win? Um... And not let that fear paralyze you in the moment. Yeah, look, it, it was it was just stuff that you work through. Like, um, you know, for me leading up to uh, a huge event, before I get there or, you know, the, the morning of, I am the, the most unconfident human you've ever seen. I'm doubting everything. I'm, I'm like... Is my shoe on right? Is my wax in my bag? Is is this banana going to taste good? Or just just <laughs> things that just don't matter. And so I would say if we put on a scale to one to ten, one being the lowest, I would wake up at a one and just be like, how am I going to climb this ladder to get to ten? And I would create a process to to do that and um that would just yeah um howdy um how about you man um yeah uh, i would create this process to yeah help me climb that ladder and then by the time i went through that whole process i was out of 10 
okay. of confidence. So bring me into the conversation when you would first wake up. What oh. did that conversation sound like? Look in the mirror and go, God, you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I still do. That. I know I you can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't change that in the evening, <laughs> nah, man. Can't polish <laughs> no, turd, no amount of glitter on it. <laughs> <laughs> no amount of psychology will help you with that no, one, man. No. Um, but yeah, it would just be, you know, if I'm going to the beach. Have I got the right board? Is there nicks in my leg rope? Um, you know, what are the waves like? Um, have I slept through my alarm? Like, just dumb little things, yeah. you know. When you and it's and you just start asking your questions, asking myself questions and. Um, you have a hard time sleeping before big events. No, no, never no, have a problem. You just no. Mick the sleeper sleeps yeah, on I'll planes, sleep anyway, sleeps, <laughs> sleeps yeah. below events. Yeah, normally I'm 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 thinking throughout the day, so I'm exhausted. I'm I'm too exhausted anyway. So right, yeah, yeah. And then you go through this process of visualization, and would you say that's the that's the most important thing throughout the day, just to have time for yourself, and then picture it going well for yourself? Yeah, for sure. Like I always say, if I couldn't get in a workout or I couldn't get a surf, um, I would have this anxiety in me, and have it there is like, oh, I need to do this, I need to work on that, or this or that, and. Once I started doing the visualization and all that sort of stuff, it felt like, okay, now it's, um, now I've done that workout or I've right. worked on myself in that situation that I could ease that anxiety and, and push that anxiety away because even though I didn't do anything physical, going through the visualization or whatever, was going on yeah my body thought i did yeah so. uh, have you um ever heard of a book called the biology of belief no no it's i mean you would dig it because a lot of the science that's coming out now on our minds um and the power of our minds to affect our biology is really interesting there was a study done just recently on um what scientists are calling the nocebo effect so people mm -hmm. talk about the placebo effect right mm -hmm. and they got a group of um, people who were clinically depressed and they had used antidepressants to quote unquote solve their depression yeah so they take them in these patients are on prozac the prozac helped me they take two groups and they say one to one group we're going to keep you on your same dose of Prozac. And they say to the other group, we're going to give you a sugar pill. We don't know which, you don't know which one you're going to get. Both groups became depressed as a result. Just having the doubt in their mind mm. that it couldn't be, it might be a sugar pill. Yeah, yeah, fully. That's crazy. I, I guess, yeah, there was the other one where the, um, like, remember those old power band things? And yes. They, they were just stickers. Yes. But people would wear them thinking, oh, I'm more flexible. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm stronger. I've got this or that. But it was all just placebo. Yeah. You know? And they did the same test with that where they, they just put them all, you know, different pockets. Right, right, right. And no one saw if there was actually a real one or if it's just a rubber band or, and just the people that believed that they had it. Right. They would feel like they're invincible or, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, 
people, um, it just matters that the person in the white coat gives you the pill, right? It matters that you trust that person to give you this thing that they say will help. And absolutely, there's real medicine that does help Mm. you. You know, if I break my arm, don't put a candle over me and start praying. I want a surgeon, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think that it is really fascinating to see how much that um, does impact our outcome. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, you, you see positive people and you see um people that believe they can change it you know you have a lot of cancer patients you know people that have been paralyzed or something like that if if they believe that their thing is there yeah it's there's nothing more powerful than than the mind in that situation who do you look to for inspiration um a lot of people actually um you know i I look at my friends um you know i look at people that are always smiling um and then obviously look at surfers um any friends in particular um just no just a lot of them like pretty much all my best friends uh are really successful in, in what they do. Right. And I don't know if that was because we all pushed each other in those different realms. Uh, even though we all weren't in the same realms, we just, we all just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And, um, yeah, we just, I mean, it's cool that you're like, you're hanging out with someone like Luke, who's a UFC fighter mm. in a completely different sport, but you're obviously connecting on some level. Yeah. So I, like, I'll, I'll look at, I'll look at sport. Like one of my favorite things to watch in sport is tennis and huh. watching um, Federer. Like, uh. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's more, more so um, there's no, there's no time limit in tennis. Hmm. So to watch people ride the peaks and valleys of a game that goes for five hours is is truly incredible and roger federer would never show any emotion like when he was on his like when he was on his hot streak you would never see him show emotion he'd just be blank faced and until he either won or lost and you'd see all that emotion come out you know he'd be in tears and and that so i really just admired watching someone like that just just the way that they can just adjust their thoughts and and just keep themselves calm or keep themselves from out showing a competitor or from out showing um you know even the public that they're not struggling they're they're actually so calm but he wouldn't change from winning or losing you know he could never tell he would never get frustrated or he would not start um, he throwing like, the tennis racket yeah, or getting or, psyched before he had won. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's only been in the last sort of um, like five or so years that he starts fits pumping and, you know, starts screaming and stuff. Like he never did that when he was at his, you know, on his rise to being the greatest of all time. He never... Um, 
Yeah, you just could never know what yeah. he was thinking. Do, or do you um, know if he, what kind of preparation he does or any visualization or anything no, like that? No, I've always wondered, but like even read his books and everything and just, just really didn't give you much. Right. You know, wow. it, was, it was wild. Yeah. I'm have to have him on the podcast. Get deep in there. Oh, it'd be amazing. Mick um, wanted me to ask you what yeah. visualization processes you have. Yeah. Um, it is very cool. I mean, sp- someone who's able to show up on the highest level is truly inspiring. Oh, for sure. Because you don't always want to show up. No. And to be able to do that um, is something special. Yeah. And that's, even, that's why we watch. Yeah. Even like UFC, you know. Imagine you, you know you've got five rounds of five minutes and the guy on the other side of the ring wants to kill you and there's nowhere to run. It's wild, man. Fucking so scary, man. When I look <laughs> at Luke go into the cage like that. Yeah. It's nuts, eh? It's so nuts. How, yeah, man. Do you ever have conversations with him about about uh, how that works? I mean, I would imagine that it's a similar thought process, but to be in a combat sport like UFC mm. where there's a trained fighter across from you and their whole goal is to kill you. Yeah, it it feels like he has worked so hard in all his different techniques or whatever that when he you know ch- sharpens all the different knives in in those in those areas, that nothing's ever going to bend those knives. So it's um, yeah, you just see the confidence that comes out of him. It, it's it's crazy and. You know, I think that's how you got to be. You got to be that confident. You know, like you have a lot of fighters. You know, they talk so much shit against each other. Like, I know if I did that against another surfer, then I just get flogged. Right. Yeah. But it's a different sport where you it's it's much more machismo. Mm, right. Definitely. Where you need to be that I'm gonna destroy him. He's not even gonna get a hit on me. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that that's. Um, it's definitely like but, you need to be like that if you know you go into you go into war or something. You know, Luke talks a lot of shit about um, our ping pong rivalry. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, have a, we have a very serious. Don't laugh. It's a very serious ping pong rivalry. <laughs> so every year uh, during the Cold Water Classic, yeah. our friend Ryan Buell holds this uh, ping pong tournament. Yeah, right. The Cold Water Classic ping pong yeah. tournament, and Luke. One one year because he's a naturally gifted athlete, and yeah. a very good ping pong player, and I got second. And he talked so much shit to I me would, for sure. the rest of the year. He would send me little like, like ping pong, just like a ping pong emoji, just nothing else. It was tormenting me. I couldn't sleep at night. So I went down to this place called uh, the Portuguese Hall, where every Tuesday and Thursday night they have the table tennis club. And it's a room set up with eight ping pong tables. And the further down the room you get, the better the ping pong players are. Yeah, right. So there will be players that come in and they have their full backpack yeah, yeah. with their custom paddles and their trophies from the recent ping pong tournament that they were in. And I went to one of the coaches and I said, train me. <laughs> so I went in for a whole year and I didn't tell anyone <laughs> And I got good because ping pong's a sport where everyone thinks they're kind of good yeah, yeah. until you meet a real table tennis yeah, player. Exactly. And 
I went back, and the next year I fucking beat him, and he got second, and he was so pissed. He would have been. All right, that's sad comedy. Um, so you you hang with Luke quite a bit. Did you did did he go visit you in in Australia? Yeah, we met um, a couple of years ago um, at New Year's, and then you know. Stayed in contact and then, uh, yeah, him and Corey came down and, and hung out um, at my place for a couple of weeks and then... Um, what did you guys do? <sighs> tried to surf but there wasn't many waves. So just just showed the boys, you know, around and showed them, uh, you know, where I live. It was, we sort of trained a lot, actually. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I never went into a fighting match with him, but um, probably a good idea. But yeah, but yeah, we we were training a fair bit. Um, you know, I was sort of in preparation for the year, and so that was really uh, it's cool to have yeah you know, Corey and Luke come training and stuff. Um, but that was you know just trying to find them good food. Yeah, what yeah. um would you be doing the same workouts? Yeah, so I'll take him to to my trainer and you know just show him what. I do and and that sort of stuff and yeah he he really enjoyed it. What um, do you do? <sighs> a lot, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, just a lot of balls, a lot, lot of yeah, a lot of unstable yeah uh, surfaces and stuff like that. But um, also too, just a lot of sort of you know getting yourself to the point of exhaustion, then you have to play like a mind game or something, you know. So like what? Um, there's have you ever like, seen? Um, they have these. Uh, boards or whatever and the lights just flash in all different places and you got to be aware to okay which one to hit and stuff like that but um yeah it was wait you have these boards at the workout facility yeah yeah it's pretty wild um this gym i work out it's called elevation fitness and um yeah they have those there and so you'll do a workout and then it's a board with lights mm. that you have to and you have to tap the, tap it, yeah, the light as soon as you score after you've just done say if you've done like wait so is it just like a hand eye coordination thing okay so you have to go as quickly as possible yeah so it's pretty pretty fun but it's super fun it's hard when it's you know when you're gassed and you can't keep going but um yeah it's just you know as we're talking before it's you know there's different ways to um you know work on the mind have you ever heard of the spartan race it's this race kind of like that where it's it's like Tough Mudder, oh, okay, but, yeah. but way more difficult yeah, because yeah. you'll go in and you'll have to do a really difficult physical task and then you'll have to, uh, like you'll meet someone and you'll have to solve a long division problem or something like that. Yeah, So yeah. it's like the complete, the complete Spartan, the person who can, uh, who can combine the mind and the body. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. man. Like those sort of... Um, adventure races sort of thing yeah where you're on a bike and you need a compass or whatever yeah that's sick yeah so what are you gonna do in your next few years are you gonna do um, like spartan races no, Start- no way. <laughs> um, become a tennis player no i'm pretty hopeless at all other sports but um no i i'm gonna i really want to go and and like that's a lot of my thing was last year when I took the time off was just trying to put myself in in places that I never thought I would get to um and I've been doing a little bit of that this year too which has been fun but um you went up and did the wild arc project right mm-hmm. yep. in Bristol Bay yep 
Yeah, so that was cool. We we went and um, stayed at the Sportsman Lodge um, with the the owner of it, Crafty, um, and we were you know we're going fly fishing and and um, we got to go and camp on this land where we like no one had ever I don't think anyone had ever camped there before and there was there was talk of this big open mine that was going to get bought off. yeah the Bristol Bay mine yeah and um, so we went and camped out there and, and tried to raise some awareness and, and see if it was um, feasible to try and get that land and, and keep it is it? unfortunately the the mining company went under the table and 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 purchased it but um you know it, it's going to be so sad because you know there's bears there's wolves there's salmon like and this river up there is like like you could have just been picking fish out with your hands Whoa. it was crazy there was wow. this, yeah and the salmon up there are pretty much the ones that sort of run the whole you know they're the top of the pyramid for the whole ecosystem up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's if they ruin that river, then um, it's one of the largest salmon runs uh, in the world, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. Yeah, I think it's. I think they. Oh, I don't know the exact percentage of it, but it's. I think yeah, they do like sixty percent of the world's salmon from Alaska. Whoa. Yeah. So you went uh, salmon fishing in the... Yeah, we went rainbow trout fly fishing. It was fun. But all catch and release. Yeah. Yep. Cool, man. Um, So doing trips like that, anything Mm -hmm. else on the program? Yeah, we did did another one in in Africa just recently um, where Wild Ark could actually purchase land and and, um, we went and checked out the land there and they're going to take down the fence and uh, the land backs onto the Kruger National Park. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, you know, the next next stop from that fence is uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, so it's, yeah, you know, the animals still rule in that area, which is really cool. And, yeah, they've, they've already had, um, you know, different animals sneak under the fence like leopards and wild dogs and so yeah it's it's pretty amazing yeah it sounds really cool is there anything that has been drawing you to wildlife conservation specifically um no it was just i've always just loved animals yeah um and yeah sort of when i met um hutch from wild arc i was just it was just perfect timing, you know. Who, want, so, who is this guy? Mark Hutchinson, his name is, and um, yeah, he's the he's the founder and one of the founders, and um, yeah, he he just yeah came and approached me and asked if I could help out, and and uh, it was yeah, as I said, it was just perfect timing for me because I was at a point in my life where I wanted to I wanted to experience different things, and so I get to go on these amazing trips to try and help save the animals it's great yeah it's incredible it's uh it seems like an exciting upcoming chapter in your life where there's going to be a lot of new experiences yeah. and a lot of new learning after um years of doing very Something. similar things yeah yeah for sure um you know even just one of the experiences was the guide that we had put us all 50 meters apart from each other and he sat us down. He's like, oh, I'll be back in 15 minutes. 
and we're all sitting there just petrified. We're in Alaska? No, when we're in, in Africa. In Africa, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, just keep an eye out for the for the, uh, for the the leopards. And I was just like... What? Kidding? Yeah. At first, he put me in a... Like, I was just in this little walkway. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm going to go and sit next to a tree just in case, you know. In case of... Wait, what was the reason for this perverse trick? He just wanted to um, let us just sit in the in the jungle and just and just experience, uh, you know, what it feels like to be in that situation by yourself, and just listen to it all and see how your awareness and everything shows up. It was, it was really awesome. That's deep. Petrifying, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just good. put myself to sleep. I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't wasn't doing that, that this time. <laughs> um, so, are you? Are, have you made any public statements about? Or are you going to retire? Or what um, you're going to be? Doing? I, I'm still still deciding. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's definitely my time is definitely coming to an end on tour. Um, you know, I just, you get to a point where you you just don't have that killer instinct anymore. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm finding that that is growing a, a bit more in, inside me and, and I have received so much from surfing and surfing on tour that. You know, you see some people, they go the other way and get all bitter about, you know, their job or whatever. I don't want to be that person. I want to, you know, honour the sport, honour the the things that I've received and, and show them that um, I really do appreciate it all. Yeah, man. And keep mm. growing. Yeah. It's just you need to keep growing in one way or another. And yeah, exactly. I am... Uh, I'm excited to see the next chapter of your life, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> I I um I don't know you well, but I know that you will continue to reflect. And I think that that's I mean that's what I've noticed about you so far is that you will continue to reflect and you will continue to adjust when something isn't right and hmm. you are grounded in a set of ethics that will continue to draw you in the right direction. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think we've always got to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes sometimes that's out of bad things or sometimes that's out of good things, you know. Um, you know, I've definitely had a lot of experiences in life, um, but I, I still feel I learn about myself every day, you know, just... You know, even just listen to a podcast today, just learning about, you know, just little things will click and you're like, oh, maybe I might adjust that a little bit or maybe I might try that and see how I feel in that situation. So, yeah. um, Can you think of an example of something recent like that? Um, like just listening to the podcast today was, was just trying to be a better storyteller. I don't know how this is going for you. But <laughs> no, you're good. This, I'm enjoying this. I'm really enjoying this. Um, but yeah, that was sort of... I'd force you, I'd force a beer down your throat if I wasn't enjoying it. Oh, yeah. oh perfect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, just, yeah, just trying to... Trying to just, yeah, just adjust little things here and there, you know. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in when 
things don't go right that you don't throw out the kitchen sink. You know, you've got to know what things really work for you and then just add a little bit of spice or something here or there or some salt or some pepper, you know, just to change the flavour every now and then. Um, Can you think of something that's happened to you recently where you had to... uh you had to utilize that lesson? Um, yeah, it happens every day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just even being at the wave pool yesterday, you know, I was so nervous, you know, because all your peers are around there and you're talking to them and normally it's, I get in my own zone, but I, I wanted to experience that with everyone. And, and like from the first round to the second round, just the level of, um, you know, as we were talking earlier, the way that I was so petrified and then by the, the other one, it was like, actually, no, it's all right. It's, it's okay. I worked through a different few different things in my head. But, yeah, just still didn't throw out the kitchen sink, just add a little spice here or there. And it was, um, it was, it was a great experience, actually, like just, just being able to um, adjust tiny little things, knowing what's going to happen on that wave, you know. I'm a fan, Mick Fanning. <laughs> Thanks, thank mate. you for Jeez. taking the time. No worries, brother. Thanks for having me. And thank you to Matt Myers for setting this up. Yeah, there Myers. <laughs> He's a legend. Cheers. All right. Thank you, man. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. If you liked it, be sure to get in touch with Mick on Instagram. My guests always love hearing from you. If you like this episode, you might also enjoy episode number 56 with Albie Lair, episode number 42 with Kai Lenny, or episode number 28 with Mark Healy. I'm going to play you out with a song called Sabali by Amadeus and Miriam. They are a blind couple from Mali, and they're one of my new favorite bands. I will link to this song underneath the show notes on my website kyle.surf and once again you can all get in touch with me at my website until next week i hope you have a chance to get out in the water and i'll see you soon
Avec toi chérie, la vie est belle